This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Uni Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am your host. I am a therapist that lives and works in Nashville. And before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that just because I am a licensed therapist, this podcast does not serve or try to serve as a replacement or substitute for actual therapy. However, my hope is that listening to this podcast might influence you in some way, whether that is for you to start going to therapy or maybe talking about something new in therapy or even just starting to develop different kinds of conversations in your day-to-day life. Now, today I have another solo episode for you, and I actually did a last minute switch with this one because it kind of teeters off of last week's episode, and I had posted something on social media about how the most dangerous diets are the ones that don't call themselves diets at all and actually promote the opposite, and I had a listener comment on it saying, like, this is so confusing, like, it seems like all diets are bad, like, what do you do if you want to lose weight, and I'm so confused, there's so much conflicting information out there, and so I was like, okay, well, this needs to be bumped up a little bit, and let's talk about it now. So I think like the third or fourth episode that I ever did when I started the podcast in 2019 was one called Why Diets Don't Work. And I recorded that with a friend of mine who's actually a dietitian as well. And I've had a lot of other dietitians on the podcast to talk about body image and and why diets are dangerous and all that stuff. And today I wanted to take some time to do this solo because I want to give you guys also a therapist perspective on why diets can be harmful and stigmatizing and how weight stigma and all that stuff ties into how we see ourselves and view ourselves, especially as we are walking straight into summer and negative body image is becoming more and more prevalent. 
as we see more messaging about summer bodies and getting in shape for vacation and all of the stuff that comes with that. Now, what gets confused because we live in such a polarizing world is that if you're anti-diet, that must mean you're anti-health and you don't care about health and it's like one or the other and you have to fit into one of these boxes. And I'm the opposite of that polarizing view. I won't be ever joining a diet again, but at the same time, I give my body a variety of foods that it needs to survive and operate at an optimal level that I want to operate at. So I don't just get to like eat whatever I want whenever I want to eat it, despite what my body's asking for. Like an anti-diet does not mean that you don't care about how you are feeding yourself and moving your body and caring for yourself. Now, I think what the listener who had commented on one of my posts was confused about, I'm assuming this, I didn't really ask more detail, but it's confusing because what's wrong with someone wanting to shed a couple pounds if it'll make them happy? Like, why would that be a bad idea to join Weight Watchers for a month to shed five pounds? Seems like harmless. And like, what if my doctor told me I need to lose weight? Like, what the heck am I supposed to do if I can't use a diet? Then like, how do I lose weight? And what if they even suggest a diet? And I'm going to break this down because it's a messy and tangled web into four main points. I'm going to explain from a therapist's perspective who specializes in eating disorders, that's my perspective, why dieting probably is not going to offer the solution that you're looking for, whether it's health benefits or feeling good about yourself or building confidence. I'm going to talk about why that's really not the solution and there are other options out there for us to work towards those things. So number one, this one's really simple. Diets simply just don't work when it comes to long-term weight loss, which discredits their ability to serve as viable solutions for both health or self-esteem issues. And you don't have to just like believe me because there is tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of research that has proven that diets do not work. The statistic right now is 95% of people who diet end up gaining back the weight they lose or gaining back the weight they lose plus more. And there is a research study that analyzed 31 long-term studies on dieting. And after they did this, the lead author of the study, Tracy Mann, she is a associate professor of psychology at UCLA, said, you can initially lose five to 10% of your weight on any number of diets, but the weight comes back. The research found that even though someone could typically lose 5 to 10% of their starting weight, in the first six months, at least one-third to two-thirds of people on diets regain weight that they lost within four to five years. And what is even more interesting is that this statistic in its most true form is probably even higher, meaning that diets are probably more ineffective than we can even conclude because of a couple of reasons that include the fact that these studies a lot of the times were self-reported. So people would self-report their weight by like phone or they would mail it in rather than like going somewhere and having their weight measured by like the same person every single time on the same scale in the same place. And the other thing is these studies had typically very low follow-up rates. So eight of these 31 studies had follow-up rates lower than 50%. And The ones that did respond, you have to think about it this way, the ones that did respond probably weren't representative of the entire group since the people who gained back large amounts of weight are going to be more unlikely to show up for the follow-up tests. And the people that are keeping the weight off are going to be more likely to actually go to these follow-up tests. And a co-author of the study, Janet Tamiyama, which is like one of the coolest last names I've ever heard, I hope I'm saying that right, said several studies indicate that dieting actually is a consistent predictor of future weight gain. 
One of the studies found that both men and women who participated in formal weight loss programs gained significantly more weight over a two-year period than those who had not participated in a weight loss program at all. Another study, which examined a variety of lifestyle factors and their relationship to changes in weight in more than 19,000 healthy older men over a four-year period, found that one of the best predictors of weight gain over four years was having weight loss on a diet at some point during the years before the study started. In several studies, people in control groups who didn't diet were not that much worse off and in many cases were better off than those who did diet we found that the majority of people regained all of the weight plus more. So again, you don't have to take my word for it. And so it's really interesting that although we have all this information and we have all these studies saying that like diets actually don't help us long-term, like they're very short-term solutions that then create bigger problems in the future. It's very interesting that we have this information over and over and over, yet we still choose to push diets and we still choose to glamorize diets and we still choose to follow diets and doctors still choose to promote them. And it's just very interesting interesting that we're just ignoring information that's actually could be helpful to us in a number of ways. Now, one of the reasons I believe it's so important to continue to repeat this information is because it is not very often that diets take responsibility for the ineffectiveness of their program. And I talked about this in last week's episode. If the diet fails, the consumer is blamed, inducing like an unnecessary amount of shame on someone who seemingly is just trying to like better themselves. But what we know based on research like this, like the study that I was just talking about, is that the diets are actually most likely the problem. Our bodies were not designed to be put on restrictive food plans that force us to cut out whole food groups and a crazy amount of energy from entering our body. And diets are not pleasant. They're not fun. And they are largely unpleasant because they force us to go against our own body's biology. And as we do that, they cause our body stress and they promote an increase in a stress hormone called cortisol. Like that's not a fun experience. So how do the people who are creating these diets think that humans will most likely cope with the added stress when their brains are also depleted of the necessary nutrients to operate optimally? Well, the correct answer is not healthy ways that they would otherwise turn to if they were being fed and their body could actually use the energy that it needs to make decisions that are best for them. We cope with things that offer immediate gratification in these areas, like alcohol, like sex, like reckless behavior, and wouldn't you know, like binge eating, which adds to shame and also leads me right into my second point. Hey guys, Kat here, and I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a 
buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you Unique Therapy after you check out. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. So number two, diets generally promote unsustainable rules and guidelines, and they affect the quality of our life and create black holes for anxiety disorders to develop and also unnecessary fear and or obsession with foods. Last week, I also said that the easiest way to make not eating a food hard is to tell someone they can't have it. So when we aren't allowed to have certain foods, we lose the ability to habituate ourselves towards those foods. And What I mean by this is imagine you run into the fence outside of your house with your car and you knock down like a big chunk of that fence and you're not in a rush to fix it. So after a while, you kind of forget that there's like a mess there. You drive by that part of the fence every single day when you back out of your driveway, when you pull in and you get used to seeing it. And so after a couple of days, you don't really have the big reaction that you might have like the first or second day after you see it. You don't really have this big like, oh, I can't believe I did that. You might not even notice it anymore because it just becomes part of the fence, right? It just becomes part of your yard. Then maybe your mom or somebody comes to visit for the first time in a long time and she sees the hole in the fence and your mom, let's just keep going with your mom, comes in and the first thing she says when she walks in is, what the heck happened to your fence? She isn't used to seeing it, so it's a big deal to her. And it was the first thing that she saw or noticed when she pulled into your driveway. Well, the dessert table might be the first thing you notice at any event you go to if you're not allowed to have dessert and you don't get to like experience yourself having the option to have dessert for a long time. You aren't used to seeing dessert. You aren't used to tasting something that you really love, like a cookie or a brownie or a piece of cake. 
and it becomes like magic, like forbidden magic. So when you do get to have it, you go all in. It's huge. You don't have one brownie. You have one of everything at that dessert table. So you don't get to have this habituation that we usually do have with foods. Like I could have a pack of Oreos in my freezer. I keep them in the freezer. That's a pro tip for months and not eat the whole thing. But if I tell myself I can't have Oreos and they're off limits and they're bad, if I actually end up going and getting them and putting them in my freezer, I might eat the whole pack of Oreos that night because I'm not used to it being a normal thing. It's magic. They like speak to me and talk to me from inside the freezer. Willpower can only take somebody so far. You can resist foods for a period of time and then it's going to come down to how do I make it the easiest to not engage in eating the things that my body is craving and wanting, which like is such a messed up thought. So once the willpower is gone, once that runs out, you're going to have to start to engage in behaviors that eventually will shrink your life. If it's too hard for you to resist grandma's pasta, you're not going to go to her house for dinner. If you're out with your friends and they want to go get ice cream after you like go to the movies or something, you're going to head home and you're going to miss out on that time with them. You're going to end up missing out on life events because you're afraid you will eat something that in reality you may not even really want or definitely might not want an excess if those foods were allowed in your life. Diets promote the idea that food also has this like moral value, like spinach is good and candy corn is bad. Also, candy corn and peanuts and M&Ms mixed together in the same bag or bowl is a very delicious treat and I highly recommend anybody who has not tried it to try it. Anyway, so this moral value that like spinach is good and candy corn is bad. Just think about the way that people talk when they're on a diet, right? So I was so bad last night. I had a piece of cake at the party. Eating cake does not make you bad. No more than skipping dessert makes you good. That is not an accurate representation of morality. And yeah, there's definite truth to the idea that it isn't good for you to just like eat cake for every single meal and that's all you have all day. And at the same time, there's definite truth to the idea that eating spinach for every single meal and that's all you have isn't good for you. What a lot of people don't know, because it's not really a common piece of information that we're fed growing up, is that our brains run on glucose, which comes from carbs. So engaging in a diet that doesn't allow you to eat carbs doesn't make any sense. If our brain is not getting what it needs to operate and function properly, what is going to happen? One, we're going to start to take energy from other functions of our body and we're going to create like a hierarchy of needs in that, which might explain why if you are restricting foods, maybe you're getting cold all the time and you can't regulate your temperature because it ends up being more important for your body to send that energy to your lungs breathing than it is for you to be cold or comfortable temperature wise. There's going to be a hierarchy that happens when there's only a certain amount of energy and you're not, you don't have enough energy to actually do everything it is that your body really needs to do. There's going to be a hierarchy. So mood regulation is going to be something that might end up getting pushed to the side so you can breathe and your heart can pump blood through your body. And then number two, we will eventually lack energy that our brain needs to make logical decisions, which is one of the reasons why maintaining the diet becomes so exhausting. Diets aren't meant to be sustainable for your whole life. The whole 30 is only supposed to be 30 days. And then Noom gives you trackers to identify like how long it should take to reach your goal weight. So then like after that 30 days or after you reach that goal weight, like what ends up happening after you do that? 
These things are not supposed to be lifelong thing. You shouldn't be on the whole 30 forever. So what happens after you reach that goal that that specific diet gives you? By this point, you've already interrupted your body's metabolism, energy, hormone production, internal defense system, like literally our nervous system. You can't just snap back to normal. And because you have been so hyper-focused on your body and food, you may start to notice everything. Fear of previously restricted foods may emerge in conjunction with the obsession of them. Diets are short-term solutions to things that we think we have a problem with that end up creating more problems for us in the future. Now let's go to number three. Mainstream diets are weight loss promoting, not health promoting. Like I said earlier, dieting can lead to unhealthy changes in body composition, hormones, reduced bone density, your menstrual cycles get messed up, you have lower energy, like all of this stuff. Weighing less does not mean somebody is healthier. In fact, it can mean quite the opposite. And this is where I get to talk about my beef with the BMI scale. And I think this part is really important because we will get to the part where we talk about losing weight to fit into society. But many people go on diets because their doctors tell them in order to lose weight and avoid health risks, complications, and all of that, they need to go on a diet. Weight does not accurately portray one's health. But because there's a stigma, many doctors overlook any and all other markers that more accurately assess somebody's health. And this is so interesting to me that we are continuing to do this today. And I'm not going to say that your body composition and what you eat doesn't have any role in your health or your quality of life. I'm not going to say that, but they are never, ever going to be the entire picture. And we emphasize this way, 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 way too much. There are so many other things that play a role in our health. In fact, things like relationships and our level of loneliness can lead to depression that can have a much greater impact on our immune system than fitting into a size six genes. So if our diets are creating these smaller lifestyles and then we have this experience of one, not being able to regulate our mood because we don't have enough energy, but also we feel this loneliness and depression because of the isolation that the diets push us into, that is going to cause more health risks many times than the weight that this person has been at previously. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. So let's get back to BMI. If you don't know what BMI is, it's the body mass index, and it's a calculation that over and over and over and over has been proven to be an ineffective indicator of health. Yet, over and over and over again, we continue to use it. And if you want to know more just about BMI, the Maintenance Phase podcast has an amazing episode on it that was very eye-opening to me, even as somebody who despises this scale. So very often still, doctors will look at your BMI and then immediately tell you that you need to lose weight. And why? I don't know. I really don't know. And I would love an answer to this question. But like if losing weight's the answer to my health concerns, then okay, I'll just go on a heart disease promoting diet like the keto diet and see what happens to me. Like it's not just your weight that's the issue because I can lose weight and be at a more unhealthy point in my life than I was previously. And I have a client who gave me permission to share this story. And um, I want to share it because it drove me crazy, mad. It's one of those stories that when it was told, I could not just like keep like this straight unbiased face. It was like my jaw was dropped and I was so upset. And she gave me permission to share the story. So I'm going to share it. And basically she went to a new doctor for like a routine physical. And I guess the doctor was asking these questions that were like kind of leading and they were like, how often do you exercise and what kind of foods do you eat? And like stuff very much where she was like, uh, I kind of see where you're going with this. And the doctor then was like, okay, well, do you have any other questions or concerns? And my client was like, well, uh, no, do you? And the doctor basically said, I mean, so your BMI is at this. And I think it, I don't know, I'm going to make up a number that it might have been, I think maybe like 32 or 30. And you're fine now. But to avoid any future health complications and issues, I think you really need to think about losing about 15 pounds. And that pause that I just gave you was a pause of me being like, what? And of course, when you're in those moments, often it's hard to like really say what you want to say because you're trying to like filter and understand like what is going on this seems crazy and this is a client who I've seen for a couple years and we've talked a lot about body image and weight and and disordered eating and all of that and she's at a point where she understands that like that's a really messed up thing to say yet it still has the ability to affect her especially coming from a health professional we were talking about like well what would you wish you would have said back to that and it was something along the lines of like 
well, what would that 15 pounds actually do to influence my weight? Like, where's the information and tell me the facts and how do you know this and all of that? Because I don't think that she would know that. The answer is like, what would losing 15 pounds do to somebody who lives an extremely healthy, productive, exciting life? Like she's a generally happy, well-adjusted human being who moves her body, enjoys food, takes care of herself. And so what would she have to sacrifice in order to fit into that BMI category that this doctor is saying is going to offer her optimal health? She would have to sacrifice optimal health. I think something that we don't take into account enough when it comes to the health world is that what someone will do to lose weight will very often be worse than remaining at their current weight. There are some really weird, screwed up things that are being promoted out there and push to help people lose weight as if weight is the end all be all to our happiness and health. And they really can influence our mental health, but our physical health as well. Like I said before, like the keto diet is a heart disease promoting diet. That's confusing. BMI also blatantly ignores all other markers of health. It doesn't make any sense. I want y'all to know that you actually have the right to refuse being weighed at the doctor's office. There are so many other ways a doctor can assess your health. And when you ask not to be weighed, they have to use those instead, which actually can be way more helpful. Dr. David Frederick of Chapman University, who has published countless studies on weight, body image, and weight stigmas, was quoted saying at one point, one thing we know is that experiencing stigma can in and of itself affect health. It can increase stress and affect your body's ability to deal with pathogens. That's the direct negative effect of stigma on the body. And also BMI, which is based on just your height and your weight, is an inaccurate measure of body fat content and does not take into account your muscle mass, bone density, overall body composition, race, age, or literally anything else. And in a CNET article from January 2022 titled BMI is not an accurate measure of health and here's why, Mercy Livingston writes, although BMI is linked to weight and body fat, it actually does not really measure somebody's body fat. Chad Walding, doctor of physical therapy and co-founder of Native Path, says that BMI can potentially miscategorize someone. Your weight and even your level of body fat says little about your overall health. Ideally, you need much more specific metrics like blood pressure, cholesterol, or blood sugar levels, for example, to get a real picture of somebody's physical health. But the healthcare system has this long history of fat shaming rather than providing supportive care for all people regardless of size and does a disservice to people seeking care. An overemphasis of BMI contributes to this by focusing medical professionals' attention on weight and body fat rather than pressing medical issues that require care. Now, according to this tool, which, by the way, was developed in the 1800s and not adjusted since, you are at a normal weight if your BMI is between 18.5 and 25. Overweight, it's if you're between 25 and 30, and anybody with a BMI of 30 or more is considered obese which is directly tied to unhealthy, bad, high risk. But these things are based on stigma and not actual facts. I will tell you, I have no shame in saying this. I'm considered obese by the BMI scale. And here's the thing. There are countless studies and I could spend a whole episode talking about this, but I also want to encourage you guys to listen to the maintenance phase podcast on this. There are countless studies that prove the opposite, that individuals with higher BMIs are more likely to live longer and healthier lives. And 
I think that's because the quality of our life and the quality of our health is not just about somebody's weight. Fatness has gotten this reputation to be morally, socially, and physically bad, undesirable, and wrong. When in reality, the stigmatization is based more on personal opinions turned groupthink than reality. And using it as a measuring stick for health is causing way more harm than good. It can increase mental health issues. I feel like I've said that a million times. It can encourage unhealthy behaviors. It can misdiagnose health issues and promote social injustice, which leads me straight to number four. Since diets that are weight loss focused are not health focused, that would mean that they are body image focused, which further promotes the thin ideal, which is very opposite of the health ideal. All bodies are different. We know this, we know this, we know this. All bodies are different. 10 of us could all eat the same exact things, work out the same amount, do the same exercises, sleep the same, and we would all look differently. But when we hyper-focus on one kind of body that is deemed ideal, we then create an inability for the vast majority of humans to live healthy lives mentally and physically and be accepted in society. Dieting can be really scary even when somebody starts out with really good intentions because when and if you start feeling the social benefits of being smaller, if you start getting compliments, if you start hearing people say like, oh my gosh, you look so good. What did you do? Oh my gosh, I wish I looked like you. How did you do it? We don't want to let those things go. Humans want to be accepted and humans want to be loved and a lot of times compliments like that feel like love and acceptance. We want to fit in and we want to belong somewhere. However, the difference between fitting in and belonging is huge. So belonging is like I show up and I just am me and like that's okay and I'm integrated in whatever group I'm in. Fitting in is different. Fitting in causes you to change some part of yourself to actually fit in to that group, society, culture, whatever it is. You don't just get to show up as you. And Our society is heavily, heavily curated around this thin ideal that a lot of people feel like they have to shift and change to fit in. In We don't just get to belong there. So when we start to get that fitting and feeling, we tend to want more. Feeling accepted can be addicting, right? Like that's, if that's attached to this idea of love and that's what we all really want when it comes down to it, that becomes addicting, especially if you have ever experienced the opposite. And so when a diet stops working, we're faced with options. You have a couple options. You can go back to living a life where your body is seen as less than when you don't fit into that society. You can reduce the quality of your life by avoiding anything that would lead you to be tempted to eat something that might have an effect on what your body looks like in a way that you think is negative. Or you can try something new. I do timelines with a lot of my clients, many who have struggled with chronic dieting and eating disorders and without fail, they don't just like start running 10 miles a day or start only eating like three foods or start binging three times a week or start purging after every meal. They don't start that way. Eating disorders are progressive. They start simple almost every single time. And listen, I am very realistic. I am. We live in a culture that cares about image and that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But the underlying motivation for weight loss can't be directly tied to our worth because it becomes a slippery slope and I haven't ever really seen it end well. We can care about what we look like and we can care about other things more. And I think that's where we're kind of missing the the mark here. Because thinness is seen as healthier, it adds to why it would lead to a more desirable, in quotes, good body, which adds to the understandable, very understandable in this context, desire to fit into society by being smaller. 
it makes me wonder that if larger bodies with higher BMIs were deemed as healthier and better and morally correct, would we then aim for that? I think that would be a really interesting experiment, although I don't know how that would ever be able to be tested. But what I really wish, I don't wish that was the case. What I really wish is that we were more concerned about how people treat themselves more than how people look, like how we treat our bodies versus what our bodies look like. Because again, we can all be treating ourselves with the same amount of kindness and love and attention and care, and our bodies would all look different based on our own makeup, our history, our genetics, all of that. A question I often ask people is, okay, so you want to lose weight, you want to change your body. What else would change if your body changed? If you met your weight loss goal, what would happen? Like, why is it that you really want to do this? What are you looking to gain? And I get a range of things like I'd be able to go hiking with my friends and I'd be able to keep up. I'd be more comfortable putting on my shoes. I'd feel more confident dating. I'd be able to go to the mall and feel like I fit in there. And those are the goals. Your goals aren't really weight loss because weight loss itself isn't going to change anything. Your goals are all of those things that you want to do, that you want to see, that you want to feel. And maybe to do those things, you have to make some changes in your life. That's okay. You want to be more comfortable putting on your shoes? Let's work on mobility. You want to keep up with your friends on a hike? Let's work on your fitness. You want to feel confident dating? Let's work on your self-esteem because just losing weight may not make all of those dreams come true. Trust me. I had never been so insecure when I was at my smallest. So feeling confident dating was not a thing. There was honestly more pressure because then it was like, well, are you dating me or interested in me because of the way I look? And now I have to keep this up. And when it comes to like the hiking and keeping up with your friends, this is one of the things that I really struggle with when it comes to the fact that we've like turned fitness into a look because you might be larger than your friend and your friend might not be able to keep up with you. Fitness isn't just about what you look like in your body composition. And when it really comes down to it, what I don't think is the answer to all of this stuff are these body positive campaigns. I think they're great to an extent. I think some of them are exploiting body positivity for financial gain, but it is what it is. I don't hate them. They're better than what we used to be faced with 24-7, but I think the answer here really lies in taking our bodies out of the conversations. I think what we are often looking for in our goals for weight loss can actually be found in dramatically decreasing the amount of time we spend talking about what we look like. So really one of the questions, and I said this earlier in a little bit of a different context, that I want us to start asking is like, what is worse? Being considered overweight according to an outdated BMI scale or the lengths we are willing to go to lose weight? Because when it comes to dieting, Like I said, time and time again, it starts with really good intentions. It starts with these like, I want to, in quotes, fit in. I want to, in quotes, be healthy. My doctor suggested this. My friend did this. And then it turns into a very, very steep, slippery slope. And we've seen from the research, it doesn't end long term where you want to be. And then it creates a cycle of either chronic dieting or binging or chronic self-esteem issues. So when it all comes down to it, We have to be really, 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 really aware of our why behind our what when we're faced with, do I do this diet or not? And the other thing we have to ask ourselves is, does this really have the capacity and the ability to give me the result that I'm looking for? Does this really match up with my why? Let's do some research about this thing before I just dive headfirst into it because from the outside of somebody's life, it looks like it's worked for them and we don't know their whole story.
So I hope this was helpful to anybody who's been in the space of like, oh, I just want to do something good for myself. And I'm hearing these people say that this is helpful. And I'm hearing these people say that this is not helpful. And when it comes down to it, you have to make that decision. What is right for you? Brings me back to that quote of the definition of insanity, right? So you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, if we're doing the same thing going on this diet, then this diet, then this diet, then this diet, then this diet, expecting one of them to stick, Maybe it is that you need a different solution to whatever it is that you're out there searching for with that diet. And there are a host of people that can help you with that. I encourage anybody who's struggling with that to reach out to a therapist, one that specializes in eating disorders or disordered eating, because there are plenty of people that might unknowingly push something that would encourage you to Uh, continue on the diet journey that has led you to them. So search for an eating disorder therapist or look for a doctor who is haze aligned and somebody who also has some experience working with eating disorders as well. There are answers. And if you're struggling with this, the reason that I'm talking about this is because it's not just you. There's plenty of people out there that are also in that same boat. You're not alone. And at one point I was one of those people. So like I said, I hope this was helpful. If you have any more questions about specific things, I will do my best to answer them within my scope and within my expertise. You can send those questions to Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. You can follow me at at cat.defada on Instagram and at UniTherapyPodcast. As always, I hope you have the day that you need to have, the week that you need to have, and I will be back talking to you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. Bye, guys. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.